Sunday, Monday, happy days. Tuesday, Wednesday, happy days. Thursday, Friday, happy days. If you want to have a happy day and you want to have a good time, tune in to Gilbert Gottfried's amazing, colossal podcast. This is Charles Fox. I just had a great time with these guys. This is Gilbert Gottfried, and this is Gilbert Gottfried's amazing, colossal podcast with my co-hosts, Frank Santopadre and our engineer, Frank Verderosa. Our guest this week is one of the most recognized, versatile, and popular actors of the last seven decades, appearing in notable films and some of the best-known TV series of all time. Memorable big screen performances include I Want to Live, Porkchop Hill, The Sand Pebbles, Operation Petticoat, The Party, The Comic, and Kelly's Heroes. He's also made hundreds of appearances on the small screen in classic shows like The Dick Van Dyke Show, McHale's Navy, Perry Mason, The Untouchables, The Munsters, The Andy Griffith Show, Hogan's Heroes, Ironside, That 70s Show, Jag, The King of Queens, and Oz, just to name a few. He also played one of Steve McGarrett's arch enemies, (laughs) the notorious drug pusher, Big chicken <laughs> on Hawaii Five-0 and spoofed his old co-star Telly Savalas in the TV movie Frank and I are especially fond of Murder Can Hurt You. But he'll forever be known for portraying a pair of iconic characters and two of them of the most beloved series in the 1970s and 80s. News writer Murray Slaughter on the Mary Tyler Moore Show and Captain Merrill Steubing on The Love Boat. In a lengthy and successful career that started back in the 1950s, he's worked alongside some of Hollywood's biggest names, including... Bean Crosby, Tony Curtis, Gregory Peck, Barbara Stanwyck, Cary Grant, Helen Hayes, Steve McQueen, Peter Sellers, Robert Redford, and Clint Eastwood. His terrific 2013 memoir is called This Is Your Captain Speaking, My Fantastic Voyage Through Hollywood faith and life. It's our pleasure to welcome to the podcast an actor we all grew up watching and the only guest we've ever had on this show who can say they attended Ernest Borgnine and Ethel Merman's engagement party. 
the pride of Pleasantville, New York, Gavin McLeod. Well, it's <laughs> nice. That was so long. I'm, I'm glad I lived through all those credits. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> Welcome, Gavin. You're finally here. Thank you so much. Uh, Pleasantville, New York was a wonderful place to grow up. Home of the Reader's Digest. My mother worked for them when there were five people in the office. You know, and they went on to do great things. Those one, the Wallace, the Wallace family. We used to live in New York, uh, 1025 Fifth Avenue, of course, from the Metropolitan. And uh, every month they would give new flowers. And I thought, oh, the Wallaces donated all those flowers from the Reader's Digest. My mom used to work for them. I was so proud of that. Anyway, I love the reading. Thank you. <laughs> it's a little like this is your life without Ralph Edwards. I know. <laughs> now, the one thing I'm most proud of, can you say your birthday? 228-228-31. Uh, no, okay, so it's February 28th? 1931. We, we share a birthday. Oh, there you go. You're kidding me. Yes. Are you February 28th? Yes. Wow. That's we, why we're so much alike. <laughs> You still have more hair than I have. What is it with these these Pisces? We all lose our hair. He's got a few left. Now, also, I remember, I think the only time we met, it was at an autograph signing years ago. and In Parsippany, New Jersey. Oh, yeah, Chiller Fest. Yes. And, oh, and I got to say thank you to... Uh, Stuart Hirsch for getting us. Yes. Uh, Thank you, Stuart. He's a for, great guy. He's a good man. And and so I, you were there, and and I thought, you know, I'm one of those people who would watch you on the love boat and say, oh, he's so friendly and kind and considerate. He's got to be a total bastard in real life. <laughs> <laughs> and, and and in person, you're you're Captain Stubing. <laughs> well, well, I guess I'm full of water. I mean, I don't know. Uh, I mean, I I think in the long run, I played so many different human beings, some of the meanest people in the world, the drug pushers, all these people. It was nice to be me for a change. And uh, yeah, I got to be me. And I like people. I like, I'm very grateful for my life. I'm grateful for every, every day I have still alive. My father died when he was 39. He had a very short life. And here I am, 88 years old, still going strong. I'm so grateful. And so how can you not be nice for something, especially when people are nice to you? Now, I noticed how nice, I noticed your lines are the biggest lines of them all. Oh, at the Chiller, there, at the we Chiller Fest? Signing. Oh, and thank I saying, you. I said, what has he got? And I looked at his hair. I said, well, he has a little more hair than I have. <laughs> but he's got his beautiful wife with him and two little children. And And I also remember... The whole time I was sitting there, I had to pee desperately, <laughs> but I was watching you and going, well, this guy's older than me and he's not peeing yet. <laughs> so- <laughs> yes, but you've heard of Depends. <laughs> <laughs> Bernie so- and I discovered Depends years ago. You and Capel? <laughs> yeah. Well, we went, we went to the Rose Bowl parade. <laughs> and they said, you got to be up at 4.30 in the morning. And you have to sit on this thing, on this uh, 
thing until until it gets light out and so forth. I said, Bernie, what are you going to do when you have to urinate? <laughs> he said, I don't know. I don't know. I, 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 he's two years younger than I am. I said, I'll tell you what. I'll get some Depends. I'll bring them up. <laughs> so I brought them up, and he and I both wore them. Guess what happens? It's so cold out there. Neither one of us had to go for the whole morning, the end of the program, <laughs> and we were still full of... Uh, that's, but anyway, <laughs> that's a that's a love boat story that uh, we've never mentioned to anybody. <laughs> we, we feel honored. That's an exclusive, Gilbert. Oh, that's so oh, that's so that, funny. That's hysterical, Gil. If you no, do I'll another you, chill, would, chiller, get the get the depends. Yes, I would work for depends. I mean, keep keep keep. I'll tell you, we live in way down in the Coach- Well. I, can I mention where I live? I, will, I won't get bad letters or no, anything. No, no, you're, you're <laughs> in Rancho Mirage. I, I live in the Palm Springs area. Right. And my kids and most of them are all up in the L.A. area, and we have to drive up. And sometimes that's four hours. And sometimes it's very difficult because you can't find places to stop. And my dear, beautiful, wonderful love of my wife, wife is my age, too. And here we are, two alter cockers, both saying, have you gone yet? Have you gone yet? No, I'm, I'm, I'm wearing it. I'm wearing it. I'm wearing it. The first time I wore it, all the way on Christmas, I finally, I never had to go. I said, those Depends play tricks with you. Oh, it happens. Hilarious. Oh. There's a tip, Gil. <clears throat> Gavin, why did you? Why, why were you cast as so many bad guys and mobsters and drug dealers and pushers in those days? Because I didn't have any hair. <laughs> I, was, I was a young guy without any hair. Did you ever? I'm sorry. There's my hair maker on. My wig maker's on the phone. That's okay. <laughs> I tell you what happened. Um, did you read my book? You know when I got yes. my first hair piece, sure. the secondhand oh, from, hair from piece. Ziggy. Yeah. It was from Ziggy, that's yeah, right. And he yeah. was bolder than both of us put together. <laughs> all, all these guys working in the hair places are bald. <laughs> so he gives me, I said, I have. I was working at Radio City Music Hall for $34 a week as an usher. And uh, I had to get, my cousin, they don't write parts for a young bald guy. You know, even O'Neill didn't do that. <laughs> and so I saved up my $125 and I went to the Sens Brothers place. I think they're still there in New York. I don't think Ziggy's alive anymore. I went upstairs, the guy with the bald head, I'm Ziggy, how are you, kid? I said, good. He says, what can I do? I said, well, look at my head. He said, you don't have any hair. I says, I know, that's why I'm here. You sell it, I'd like to buy some. He said, let me look at you. He walks around, looks at the heads and so forth. He said, that'll be about $300. I said, oh, no, no, no. I only have 125 It took me six months to save this. I said, I make $34 a week at the music hall. I'm a young actor. They don't write parts for bald-headed young people. <laughs> I said, I don't know. I'm, so I need a hairpiece. He says, come back when you get the money. I don't have, have time for this. I said, all right. So I start walking down the stairs. Then I heard, hey, kid. And I turned around. He says, come on up here. He says, follow me. So I followed him, and he opened this big curtain, and there was a room where the whole wall was a mirror <clears throat> with a shelf and chairs, and there's like a skull there with some hair on it. <laughs> he said, sit down there. 
So I sat down there. He put this thing on my head. He said, how do you like that? <clears throat> it was hair on my head for the first time in years. I said, it could have looked like a bird nest. I don't care. I said, this is magnificent. He says, you can have this for 125. I said, oh, but you told me it was like three something or all. He said, yeah, but you know, a guy came in this morning. He turned this one in. He got a new one. You can have this for 125. I said, oh. Oh, gee, that's wonderful. I said, who was it? He said, well, I'm not permitted to tell you. I said, oh. I said, uh, he said, did you ever hear of Frankie Lane? Frankie Lane? <laughs> Mule train. This is Frankie Lane's hair. I'm going to wear Frankie. Wait till I get to the Rockettes and tell them I'm wearing Frankie Lane's hair. It was wonderful, except every time we were someplace and we heard Mule Train, it would go flip-flop, flip-flop, flip-flop by my head. <laughs> it really belonged to not Frankie Lane, though he wore them. Oh, I see. It, it won to a, a B. Arthur, B. B. Wayne, and they had this wonderful radio program. Oh, oh, oh. Andre Baruch. Andre Baruch, they yeah, Andre, Andre Baruch. Baruch. It was Andre Baruch and B. Wayne. So listen to this. I was telling this story 40 years later on the Tonight Show. <laughs> We're doing the love boat. The phone rings the next day. And somebody said, Gavin, somebody wants to talk to you. I said, well, do you know who it is? He said, a guy named Baruch, Baruch. I said, I wonder if that's Andre Baruch. So I went to the phone. I said, hello. Hello, Gavin. This is Andre Baruch. I, Mr. Baruch, what an honor to talk to you. He says, I heard you on the Tonight Show. He said, thank you for the plug. I didn't know it was a plug telling people he had a bad hairpiece. <laughs> said, uh, I said, he says, I'm in town. My son represents the three tenors. And he said, uh, I was interested. Would you be interested in another hairpiece? <laughs> Hilarious. That's the end of that story. Hilarious. But he and B. Wayne, B., uh, he died. They had a show. He invited me to go to Florida to see him. He and B. Wayne was a big band singer. Mm -hmm. And uh, he had died in ensuing years. And she was still alive a couple of years ago in Beverly Hills in a place I knew about. Anyway, Love it. that was the hair. And, and I, I got to tell you, a few months ago, just switching around the channels, I came across an old Hawaii Five O. Oh yeah! And you were the drug pusher and killer. Big uh, chicken. Big chicken. Big chicken. Now, uh -huh. big chicken. Go ahead. Do you remember any of your lines? I can tell you everything about that thing. Oh, I can you do it in the voice? <laughs> you did that. Big I was. Chicken. Oh yeah, I yeah. was doing the play, uh, the Web and the Rock. And I got a call to doing a new series with Jack Lord, who I had met once before. And uh, so I go over there, and you know, you pick up the script, and uh, described, he says, he, I said, who am I here for? She says, a guy named Big Chicken. I said, okay. So I read <laughs> Big Chicken. Big Chicken <laughs> is notoriously thin. He's six foot six. He has a goatee. He weighs about 200 pounds. <laughs> And here I am, about 240 pounds, 5 foot 10, bald. I said, what are they calling me for these parts for? <laughs> so I said, what a waste of time. So I read it, and I said, oh, man, this guy is fantastic. 
He's so evil. Oh, yeah. He got these kids' hooks on drugs so they would steal for him and all these things. He was evil. So I said, I'll go read. So I go in, and Joe Gantman was the producer then. And I sat down in the room with him and read. It's the same place where we did the Mary Tyler Moore show years later. I'm sitting with him, and we read this one scene, and it's silence. He says, you know, I never thought you could act. I said, that's kind of funny. <laughs> then why did I come here? He said, you blew me away. I want you to play this character. I said, he's described as being six foot six and tough. He said, no, that's John D.F. Black, the author. He described himself, who I eventually met. So I did. I went to Hawaii. That was that. That was like the third show they ever made. Ricardo wow. Multibon preceded me. We all had the same suite we stayed in, and I was in. And then uh, the character was fascinating, and uh, and I thought, wouldn't it be interesting. He's so evil. They were wearing peace symbols in those days. I said, suppose I wear a peace symbol and have them say, peace, brother, peace. And that's what he did. And I incorporated that into that character. And the review was outstanding. And they wrote him in again. And they wrote the next one called The Box, which was, he was in prison, this one. The first time you see him, he's completely naked. Yeah, he's taking a shower. (laughs) Taking a shower. And that's, that's where these guys from... Parsippany, New Jersey. They came that day when I was with you, that first time I saw you with your kids and your wife signing those things. They came in and said, hey, big chicken. And they start doing all the lines. I said, I don't believe you guys. They came back that night with T-shirts. They had big chicken on their T-shirts with their wives. And they started playing some of the scenes. Now you cut. And so I said, you guys are fabulous. This past year, I was there again in another place in Parsippany, and they showed up on a Saturday night. People are lined up, and I hear, hey, big chicken. Now they got a name. They they got um, Tony the Greek is with them, and they got another guy. who. (laughs) And all day long, they do the the, the big chicken lines. That's fantastic. They took me out. There was a Ruth's Chris uh, Steakhouse there, (laughs) and they have chicken. (laughs) <laughs> so we all took chicken. We all had pictures of us holding our chicken. They gave me a Christmas decoration that said "Love uh, uh, Hawaii Five O" on it. And they're going to be in Vegas in July, and they may come over here to see me and my wife. Oh, they're wonderful guys. They just are hung up on they. They love they love big chicken, baby, and it's so much fun. You're, you know, you, you think you, you think maybe they're crazy, but they're very successful in their own businesses. And they're nice, they're neat guys. That, you gotta talk like big chicken. He wants you to do a little dialogue. Oh, 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 It's been a been a while. <laughs> yes, but I wanna. I tell you know, you know, you know, you know. You know, I'm going to have this zip gun right at your head, McGarrett. Yeah, McGarrett, you put me in this place. Now you're going to get it, McGarrett. And I put a zip gun to his head. Are you ready, baby? Are you ready? (laughs) This is big chicken talking. Big chicken. Let me lighten your burden, Mr. McGarrett. Now, even though she may say bad things about me, even though as a three-time loser, 
Any conviction would close that gate for good on me, even though all of that, I'm still safe. Because I believe in the law. There's a favor to you, Mr. McGarrett. That's a good citizen. You take yourself over to that little jungle. Maggie's pet. Just look on that like an early Christmas present, Mr. McGarrett. Me to you. I'm gonna nail you, chicken. You'll miss some angle. You stay smug and I'll stay patient. And I'll nail you. Never, Mr. McGarrett. No chance you'll ever. No way. Peace. My son calls me. He uh, just sent me something for my birthday. I said, Big Chicken McLeod on it. That's great. <laughs> and so that's, that's, we still have that going. And it's either Big Chicken or Chicken Fricassee or Chicken There's a, chicken a, a part in your book where, where Jack, Jack Lord took you aside and said, Gavin, you're the bravest actor I've ever seen. That's right. Yeah. He asked me to do a movie for him. He, he wanted to direct. And I'm the only one they said he ever had lunch in his trailer. Wow. You know, and I had lunch in his trailer, and he was telling me he had this movie he wanted me to be in. He wanted to shoot it in Spain. But it never happened. Wow. Because I remember as Big Chicken, you sounded like a beatnik. You know, <laughs> yeah. it's like, hey, yeah, 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 yeah. I don't that break no laws. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. I ain't got no... I got that was so long ago. <laughs> but he was he was genuinely scary. <laughs> oh, he was terrible. Yeah. No, it was one probably one of the worst. I played drug pushers and evil people and all that, but but this guy was one of the one of the but oh act, boy. Actors always say they love playing villains. You played a lot of yeah, them. Yeah, because because it's it, you know you're getting away with something you couldn't get away with in real life and you're getting paid for it. <laughs> it was uh, <laughs> And, you know, I wanted to show that I could do something like that, and especially, you know, uh, you know, some of the things I've played, these outrageous characters. I mean, like in, in Kelly's Heroes with Donald. Oh, sure. You know, you played the Moriarty, Moriarty. character. I still get a lot of mail on him. And uh, and then going from him to Murray on the Mary Tyler Moore show, it's, it's a big jump. A lot of range. It's wonderful. A lot it's of range. Wonderful. Gilbert, I was telling Gilbert, you played four different characters on the on the Untouchables. I'll assume they were all bad guys. Porker, Whitey, Three Fingers. <laughs> <laughs> and, and for some reason, there was a character named Artie McLeod. Yeah. Well, I don't know. If I did, I did. <laughs> I remember <laughs> I, I was with Marty Balsam, but Marty Balsam, Marty Landau, all those wonderful oh, actors. Great names. All, Wonderful wow, people tell did those us, shows. Tell us about those two, because we brought them up on this show a few times. Yeah, we love character actors. Oh, yeah. Jack Warden, too, who you also work with. Oh, Jack Warden, I did Asphalt Jungle yes, with him. Yes, yes. You know, you know what he told me? I had done the Sand Pebbles with Robert Wise, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, by the way, I did the introduction to, there's a new book on Robert Wise out that Joe Jordan wrote. He asked me to do the introduction. Oh, great. So I did that, because I had worked for him a few I know times. No, you guys he were close. A wonderful incredible human being and a great director now now what was the point now i forgot what i was well, going to tell you <laughs> the character actor jack warden oh jack warden anyway so when i met jack i was at the 
McGuire's house. He was one of the assistants on the, uh, on the Sand Pebbles with Steve McQueen and all that. And we were in China and all. It was a big, big, long, long 10-month run. So uh, I went to this guy's house, Charlie McGuire, Charlie McGuire. And Jack Warden was there. And Jack said he was on one of those boats that we were on with McQueen in real life. Wow. He had really been a sailor on one of these boats on the China Seas in real life. And he said they shot at them, too, because they were shooting at us from the mainland at that time. Uh, Jack Warden was great. And then I did Asphalt Jungle. He was an actor's actor. Everybody loved him. One Everybody of our favorites. working with him, you know. Uh, Jack Lord was a little different because if his hair moved, you had to do another take. You know? <laughs> <laughs> what, what about you what notice, a, his hair? No matter what, and he always had always, that little bit of hair coming down. Always. And but, Martin Landau. Um, Marty was so wonderful. Uh, uh, <laughs> he was on the road with uh, Edward G. Robinson. Uh, I was doing a play out here, and he was on the road with Edward G. Robinson. Oh, it's a play that I was doing. I was doing Marty Balsam's part that he did in New York. I did on the West Coast. And when they came out with Edward G. Robinson to do it sometime later, uh, Marty Landau was in it. Somebody saw him. And that was the beginning of his film career. And I think his first movie was North by Northwest. Sounds right. With Cary Grant. Yes. That sounds right. I think that was Marty's first one, and he was a wonderful actor and a wonderful person. And my acting class in New York was this wonderful, beautiful model who he eventually married. And then she did that other series oh, with Barbara him. Oh, Barbara Bain. Barbara Bain, yeah, yes. Beautiful and, woman. and the other Marty... Mar Martin Marty Nob Balsam Balsam yes oh boy he was an actor's actor and he married Joyce Van Patten one of my best yes. friends we had Joyce here on the podcast oh you did well, she's, oh, she's adorable how is she doing we love her I love her I love her and Dickie was so great too but she was great. I wrote a play for her. I belonged to a group called Theater West, and I used to write plays and all that. Carol mm -hmm. Connor did the same thing. And uh, I wrote a wonderful part for Joyce because I, I thought she was just a sensational actress. I haven't seen her for years. We will return to Gilbert Gottfried's amazing, colossal podcast. But first, a word from our sponsor. Talking about great uh, New York actors, and we said this before we turned the mics on. We were talking about you working as a cashier, yeah, at uh, Jim Downey's at Jim Downey's Steakhouse, and the great Eli Wallach int introduced you to somebody. I first met Eli Wallach when he was doing the rose tattoo when I was in college. He and Maureen Stapleton. I came with my John Bartholomew friend, uh, John Bartholomew Tucker. He had a radio show Remember in New York. Remember that name, Gilbert? Yes, John Bartholomew yes, Tucker? I do. Yeah, he hosted game shows, too. I do. We did, we, he just died two years ago. Yeah. He was one of my best friends. In, in, we went to college together for yeah. four years and everything else. We had a nightclub act called the Sophisticates of Comedy. We were like 18 years old. What did we know? <laughs> was that but the anyway, vaudeville act that great. you started and then you realized vaudeville was dead? That's right. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> we know uh, that was name. One, oh, John was wonderful, and I, he had he went he went to a retirement home in Nyack or something like that up there, and uh, there were six of us in college hung out together. I'm the only one left. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. Yeah, I am yeah. too. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, you know, 
They were also one. I was the youngest, so that makes sense, a little sense. But, but great days. I mean, this in the in the book, and you tell, I was telling Gilbert these wonderful stories about you eating at the automat and and, oh, and yes. having no money and the ketchup soup oh. and then you working as an oh, elevator yeah. operator. But but at, absolutely, what, at, and that's it, when I met the elevator operator. Are you kidding me? You know, wow. Uh, I took up and I used, you know, you had to buy special tickets to get into the elevator, the one elevator at Radio City Musical. And one night, the movie was going to be the world premiere of the world's largest trailer, something like that. Oh, though, yeah. The, with the, Lucy oh, and the long, Lucy. The long, long trailer. The long, long. Right. I brought them and Russell Market, who created the Rockettes, up in my elevator. Oh, wow. Lucy and Desi. I mean, that was my claim to fame. <laughs> And guess what? Three years later, I was on the West Coast doing all those Desi Lu shows. I love it. Walter Winterfile, the Untouchables. Yeah, Untouchables. And, yes. And, and tell tell us about your starving years with the ketchup soup. Well, you know, they they weren't that bad. I always had something to eat, like you know, the ketchup soup, and and uh, and you find Ritz crackers and things like that, and. Uh, you find a friend that's doing all right, and we always helped each other starting out. But I never had it that bad because I always had a job. You know, I I had a, I had a job. I used to walk. I um, when I went to New York, okay, I got a job. I knew one guy there, Vince Clemmer. He he quit college and went to work at Radio City Musical. His uncle worked there working lights, and you join the union mm -hmm. and you make great money. He was making great money. He's the only guy I knew, so I called him when I got there. He said, well, maybe I can get you a job at the musical. I said, working the lights? He said, no, 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 you have to be in the family. He says, uh, maybe you can be an usher. I said, that would be good. I didn't know it was $34 a week, but listen, it's better than nothing. Sure. And so we lived on Central Park. He and John, a pianist, and him, and now me, on 73rd and Central Park West. And I used to walk. I never could take a, a subway or a bus or anything else. I used to walk from there down to walk 6th Avenue and 51st to 50th Street with Radio City Music Hall and work and then walk back. And all those, I would always stop a men's shop that had in the in, in the window men's underwear. Here we go with men's underwear again. The, it was before it depends. It was before it depends. But they had Fruit of the Loom underwear there. And I would always stop. This is the God's honest truth. I would look at that. I, I would... And I couldn't afford it. I look at that and I look at that underwear, and I said, "Someday I'm going to get you." <laughs> and so I said, making it to me was going in and buying a six pack just like oh, that. That's fantastic. And that was that was really making it. That's you know, fantastic. Back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. They couldn't afford anything. That was one of the things in those days. And then I used to save enough. There used to be some place where they had hot dogs. I have a hot dog, but it was a, they would have a lazy Susan that would have mustard and onions oh, and wow. relish and all this stuff. So I would have a hot dog, but I would put like four inches of other stuff on top of it because that was the one meal for the day. It would let out. Oh, I can still I still get like this when I think about it. And no, those, <laughs> those, were, emotional. The early, <laughs> those were the those were the early days. Yeah. You were you were an usher first, Gavin, and then again an elevator operator at Radio City, and well, yes, and like I, I did. That's right. I started as an usher, and I had I had I had the uh, the flashlight. Right, but tell tell and it. Then they, 
Go ahead. <laughs> yes. Um, well, no, I was going to say, go ahead and tell, but tell us about who you met at, uh, who Eli Wallach introduced you to when you were at. Uh, oh, uh, then, oh, then well, years d- later. Downies. Yeah. I was, uh, I had gone on the road to do Andrew Cleveland Lion. Uh, uh, I met a Rockette at a communion breakfast, a Catholic communion. My mother says, you should go, you should go to go to communion. I said, I'm a little usher at Radio City Musical. Nobody wants me. She said, you should go to have communion and then you go to the reception afterwards. You should do that. I did that and I saw this beautiful girl with all these other women and one empty seat next to her. And I said, who? You know, these are Rockettes and who am I, you know? <laughs> so I sat next to her. Well, I fell so much in love. I was with all the Rockettes and their husbands and boyfriends and stuff. I felt like I'm really, I'm moving up, you know? <laughs> and I eventually got engaged to her and we got married. We had four children and we still see each other. I just talked to Mother's Day the other day and That's all that. That's nice. And That's nice. It was, it was very, very special. Yeah. And uh, that was that was interesting time there, and most of those, a lot of those girls we knew. Uh, in, in fact, that's when I first saw Stephen Eady, because it was a uh, one of the girls dancing one of the Rockettes. Her husband was Gene, I think Bianco was his last name, and he was a male harpist. He would play the harp, big Italian guy, uh-huh. young too, and he was doing the Steve Allen show late at night, and we all went over to see it after work at the at the music hall, and that's where Stephen Eady would just. Young singers going together at that time, way, 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 way back then. Those are the kind, some of the things we did. But getting back, then years later, I went on the road with Lander Crazy the Lion, saved enough money, paid off my debts, got married, and all that. Now I'm working at Jim Downey's as a cashier. And everybody came at the actor studio was a hangout for them because those people, then you'd have tourists come in to want to see the actors and uh-huh. stuff. It was like the poor man's Saudis. <laughs> And Mr. Downey was always so great. So one day, in comes, I'm at back of the cashier's thing, and it was a big wall, and the bar was here on the other side. You enter, and you walk down that, and you can see who it is, and they sit in the back. And I saw this beautiful creature there. I said, that must be Marilyn Monroe. Well, she starts coming this way, this way, and then I said, there's Eli. Everybody loved Eli Wallach. He goes over and he sits right there. I'm over here. They're right there. I couldn't believe it. He said, hey, Gavin, come on over. He says, I want you to meet me. I said, I know who she is. <laughs> Amazing. I said, you know, boy, I said, I was like 23 years old, 24 years old. I said, boy, you're more beautiful in person than you are on the screen. He'll be, thank you so much. You know, she had all powder. It was that part she had, she didn't put, she was just powder. Uh huh. She wasn't a lot of eye makeup or stuff like that. She was just powder and she was so beautiful. And he was talking, he, he introduced us. He said, he's a young actor here. He's going to go far and all this kind of stuff. And she's, I said, you know, this is, uh, this is just a wonderful moment for me. I said, you know what I'm going to do after work tonight? I said, I get off at 1 o'clock in the morning. I got to go and add up all the bills and payments, all that. 
you know what I'm going to do after that? She says, no, what are you going to do? I says, I'm going to call all my friends to tell them I met Marilyn Monroe. <laughs> she was beautiful. That's then, so sweet. A couple of years later, on my 20th Century Fox, I'm shooting something with Blake Edwards for High Time with Bing Crosby. Oh, yeah. You go, you go in the makeup department, everybody sits there, and that's... Uh, so now, now I go, and she was shooting a, a wonderful movie. Uh, anyway, she was shooting something. So I was walking down to my soundstage, and her limousine was coming past that she was in. And she looked out, and the difference was night and day. The Marilyn Monroe I met was generally a beautiful skin, everything. And here she was made up at 20th Century Fox with the beauty mark they paint on here. Uh -huh. My friend Whitey Snyder designed that for her, that beauty mark she had here. And, you know, I said, I met the real person. This is the movie star. About, a big difference. How about that? Yeah, yeah. big difference. So yeah. since, since you brought up Blake Edwards, another guy, I mean, I know you got close to Robert Wise, but Blake Edwards was another guy who was pivotal in your career. He really, yeah. Especially Blake at that really. turning point where you where you were, you were would move to L.A. and you, you lost that part in the Hal March pilot and you were despondent. Yes, and I never sold it. <laughs> <laughs> right. And then Blake Edwards was on the phone. Right, and asked you to do the Peter, was it the Peter Gunn pilot? Can you imagine being... Peter Gunn pilot. I was fired. The only I had rented the car, I, everything on that job, and I was. I, I didn't get a chance to even show him anything. The guy, the, they didn't want me. Uh, he wanted his friend that turned out to play the part. I can understand that, but but for me, I was twenty in my twenties. Boom. I had to get back in the car and go and tell my agent I was fired. I had to tell my wife I was fired. Harry Guardino was very understanding. He Harry Guardino. Oh, man. Uh, Harry and I were very close Love that friends. Guy. We used to be on the road together in a hat full of rain. Anyway, so I'm, I'm, I'm getting out of here. New York is the place for me. At least you know if they're going to lie, they're lying. They don't two-faced. And I, I said, we don't belong out here. These people aren't real. And then about... A couple of hours later, after I was very self-indulgent, thinking terrible, I, was, I wasn't any good anymore, the phone rings. It's my agent. He says, uh, do you know who Blake Edwards is? I said, well, I know who he is. I, I never met him and everything else. I used to send them pictures when I was doing my play. I'd send out pictures. He says he wants to see you. He's doing a thing called Peter, Peter Hunt. Peter, Peter Gunn. Peter Peter, Peter Gunn. Gunn. Yeah, with Craig Stevens, yeah, wasn't uh, it? Peter Hunt was an artist in Cape Cod, I know. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. This is what happens to the brain. <laughs> I said, oh, good, I can go see him. I said, uh, I have my car because I rented the car. I said, should I wear my hairpiece? He says, no, just bring it. <laughs> so I always had it with me. And so I go in when they got the hair in the box and everything else, and I see a guy sitting there with a full head of hair. He became a leading man with Donna Reed, eventually Paul, somebody. Oh, I said, uh, what am I doing here? Look at me. I'm a character man, this handsome. What am I doing here? So 
I went in and saw Blake, and I saw his assistant, Dick Crockett, who, who, ironically enough, he was bald, too, and he had done some stunts for me on U.S. Marshals, these other shows I did for Desi Liu at one time. So he, he says, uh, we rapped and rapped and rapped and told him I did I Want to Live. His father was the company manager on that. His, his name was Mick Edwards, and Blake changed it to Edwards. Right. And... Uh, we started talking about my career and everything, and he said, you know something? He said, you know, I really want you to do this pilot. I said, wow, you know, what's the part? He said, well, it was going to be an Italian. I'm going to make him Irish so you can play him. We'll call him Fallon. You can play him. And he, he said he's going to be the first heavy ever to play squash on television. <laughs> I said, how do you play squash? I didn't even know how you play it. He said, oh, it's going to be fascinating. So anyway, that was the beginning when I first met Blake and uh, Herschel Bernardi and Craig Stevens and Hope Emerson and all those. Oh, we, we love Lola these names. Albright, all those wonderful people and the music and Hank Mancini. Oh, yeah. Boy, that was the first big breakthrough there. And then... Um, but he used you a lot. And, and that was just fabulous. It was just fabulous. And then they sold that, it's true, that they, they said at that time, that pilot was sold faster than any pilot ever. It was very different. The music was different. Sure. The shots were different. Sure. They were long scenes. They were not just long shots, close-ups. They were long. The camera, you rehearsed a long time, and the camera did all the movement. Blake did a, a great job. And so I did a lot of those. Tell us about the voice of the tuna fish. For all these years, that was that was that was Herschel Bernardi. Yes. Oh yes. Oh yeah. Was it Char Herschel Charlie was the great. tuna? Yeah, only yeah, good taste. You know what he used to, he used to tell us? I love that job because it's the only job I've ever had. You don't have to get dressed for. I can go down in my pajamas and do it. <laughs> <laughs> he used to live in a lake some places. I just go down in my clothes. I don't care. Yeah. Well, you know they say next to zero, his tevia is the best. Oh, yes, Fiddler. yes. Herschel, Herschel Bernardi's oh. Tevye. Yeah, he Tra traveled all over for it. Yeah, he was a wonderful, wonderful person. I didn't know him uh, personally, you know, but I but I worked with him and he was so wonderful and great and all that. And as a matter of fact, my stepdaughter played his daughter on a series called Arnie. Sure, I remember oh. that. Sue Ann Langdon. Was the wife. Sue Ann Langdon. Right. Yes. And Stephanie Steele was the daughter. How about that? Isn't that She funny? was doing that when I was doing the Mary Tyler Moore show. How about that? She was 16 making more money than I was. Don't tell everybody. <laughs> <laughs> you remember that show, Arnie, with her yes. show Bernardi? Yeah. yeah. Oh, Sue Ann Langdon was great, I too. I loved her, too. I loved working with her. Well, yes. Gil Gilbert got a kick out of this uh, question about, uh, we were talking uh, something from your book about Blake. You said you were almost cast as Mickey Rooney's character in Breakfast at Tiffany's? Or oh, you, were, yeah. you were up for it? Oh, yes. You'd be surprised <laughs> how many parts I was up for. Oh, boy. And yeah. also Max in the Great Race, the the, the Peter Falk Absolutely. part. Absolutely. Oh. Absolutely. Amazing. If Blake was alive, he'd tell you that. That's how I know about it. Wow. You know? Wow. Oh, yeah. And then he also did, uh, <laughs> I don't know, I went over, I, I, we did the Peter Gunn pilot, and then there was a series called Steve Canyon based on the cartoon sure. character. Yeah, and the one actor that played the lead only had four fingers, I remember. It was kind of strange shaking hands. <laughs> <Anyway>. <laughs> we also remember you in the party. I always kept looking for the other one, huh? 
<laughs> Gilbert and I were talking about the party, too, which you did with Blake. Oh, and seller, the party. And everything was ad lib. They had me the... Which happened first, the party or the or high time? With, in 1960, we did high time with Bing Crosby. Yeah, the party came I later. The Nutty Professor it gave Jerry the idea. He did a whole movie on him. Yeah. And then... Uh, and then Wait, the how one, did the Nutty Professor come about? I played the Nutty Professor on the high time. If you look, see high time with Bing Crosby. Love is wonderful the second time around. That's from that, that show. High Time was a, that was one of Blake's favorite movies. And you know who else loved that movie? Frank Sinatra. Interesting. Oh. I was, I was doing, I was doing The Love Boat years later. And I go to work one day and Frank Jr. is there. I said, oh, how great to meet you. And that's when I met his father. It's a long story. But he says, my father loves High Time. I said, is that right? He says, I'm going to have a screening in my house. Come on, Gavin, you got to come. So I went to Junior's place and we watched High Time on on the big wall, you know, a huge big wall. Frank Sinatra loved that picture, and so did Junior. It's a it's a picture about a bunch of college kids, Tuesday Well, oh yeah, Tuesday Well's in it, right? Fabian's first movie and things like that. And Bing Crosby plays a Howard Johnson's kind of character who says, "I never went to college. I'm going to go to college." And he got, and his kids are stuck up rich. He goes to college. He falls in love with the French teacher, Nicole Moray. Love is wonderful the second time around. That's when he sings that. Oh, it's wonderful. And I play this bloody professor who does uh, experiments that all explode and stuff like that. And then, oh, I remember Bing was pledging for a fraternity and they made him dress in a big cotillion dress. I have that picture. <laughs> And I played this nutty professor, and I danced with him. Right. I spent about four hours dancing That's with Bing the Crosby. Book. How many guys could say that? <laughs> <laughs> and Jerry got inspired by the character that you played. Yes, yeah. right. Yeah. Anyway, so after that came um, really the, f- the fun show with Peter Sellers when we did the party. Yeah, we was just watching it last you know, night. I think the opening of that is... I, almost some of the funniest five minutes Great. of the opening of any movie I've ever seen. Just Peter and those guys shooting. He's like Gunga Din to take off. Son of Gunga Din. Yeah. <laughs> right. And this guy, this guy, it, it, he sits on the thing. He, yeah, the plunger. He, everything explodes. Every, they had one set. It all explodes. <laughs> yeah, that's great. And they're going to kill him. I'm the producer. I'm going to kill him. I remember. And he, and he he gets an invitation to a party by mistake, and he comes to the party. And it's what happens at the party with him. All that stuff, all those scenes were ad-libbed. Blake gave me about five pages with an outline, and we all ad-libbed and rehearsed and shot like Jerry shot. That was a, it was a wonderful picture. And Blake uh, uh, and Peter was very, very, very interesting to work with. And Nancy Sinatra told me she was up for the lead part. Nancy's my neighbor here. And she, she told me she was up for the part. Uh, and Nicole, what's her name? Andy Williams' oh, uh, wife. Uh, Claudine Langer. Claudine Langer got it. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Interesting. Because I, I had heard Peter Sellers was one of those actors who, if he wasn't in character, it's like he didn't exist. Oh, I wouldn't say that. Well, don't ask me because I like people, but uh, no, no, he he was just himself, and himself was a different kind of. His characters were all kind of extreme. Even when you think about all of the characters he played, he had 
He had really, really great takes on every one of them. You should see the party because you should see what no, he does I've with that. He plays oh, this yeah. Indian actor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Come on. Everybody in that movie's funny. And Steve Franken, He's, too. The late Steve Franken. He says, uh, he says uh, that one scene near the end, we almost broke up because of the ad libs we would do. He and Claudine and I were there when I had her. I was taking her away from him. And I said, you're my sugar. <laughs> I am not your sugar. <laughs> <laughs> we didn't know he was going to say that. <laughs> tell tell us about Kelly's heroes, Gavin. Tell and uh, any, oh, any anything Kelly's about heroes. anything about Rickles. Any memories of Don? Oh, don't you love Don Rickles? God, he was so funny. It was well. Blake, uh, let me see. Brian Hutton. Yeah, right. Brian Hutton. He was an actor, and. I had saw, seen you know, some old Perry Masons and all those little things, little parts, big parts. He was on his way. And and Brian started directing movies, first television things and so forth. And then he called me for one thing. Would, I couldn't do it. I was tied up. But then he called me for Kelly's Heroes in Yugoslavia. And he told me the lineup of actors. I said, oh, my God, to be with Kelly? Wow, wow, wow. And Donald Sutherland, wow. Yeah. And Clint Eastwood, look at this. And Don Rickles, are you kidding me? That was the beginning of it all. The rest of the character, man, incredible. So I went over there to, uh, I remember when I was going on the airplane, it was when What's-His-Name landed on the moon for the first time. Oh, Neil Armstrong. And, and you, Armstrong. There, there's this clip. Uh, Frank and I have watched it, and it's, uh, you're on the. Um, oh, you're talking about him and Robert Blake singing. Yes, on the <laughs> Dinosaur Show, you and Robert you, Blake. You remember sing this, Gavin? Oh yeah, I remember that. I've seen that on occasion. It's on YouTube. It's classic. I forget what the song. I forget you what the sang, song was. Uh, it should have been me with that real it, fine. It should have been me. Yeah. Yeah, it's all like. He was. We were very, very close. We're still close. He spoke to me a couple of weeks ago. And uh, he was my one daughter's godfather. He's a wonderful guy. And they just did a special 2020. I came down here. I spent hours with these people showing them our scrapbook together, the plays we'd done and talked about how, how much he loves God and everything. And they cut all that out. And he called me. He, was, he was, says, I'm so sick you did this because I asked you to. And all they wanted to do was talk about the murder, you know. Mm -hmm. And uh, he's a wonderful, wonderful guy. I'm, I'm crazy about him. So you've been friends with him for a while. Since I've been friends with him since 1957. I've been through the first marriage. I took him down there when he went to shoot that picture with Redford and Natalie Wood. Uh, we took him down to the train station so he could go to a location. And that was the Tennessee Williams piece. I forget what it was called. Uh, oh, no, Robert and I have always been very, very close. I see the real person there. Then, the, unfortunately, uh, a lot of people haven't. It's interesting. It's very interesting. Tell oh, us about tell him. us about another close friend. Tell us about Ted Knight. Oh, oh I know you I you could, you adored. I could cry over Ted. Uh, we we love he him was, too. We never got to meet him. We had Ed here, but uh, you you would have you would have. He was like my big brother. When I came out here, uh, when the play after the play closed, I came when, when I we closed in Boston. I came out to the West Coast. I had one connection. So I went to the connection, uh, uh, Lou Irwin, the agent, and 
there was a guy named Ted Knight there. They introduced us. I said, how are you? Nice to meet you and so forth. He says, uh, are you new here? I said, I just got here yesterday. He said, oh, first thing you got to do is got <laughs> you need a business manager. I said, yeah, but don't you need money for a business manager? <laughs> I said, yeah. I said, I don't have any money. He says, neither do I, but I have a business manager. I said, who is he? He says, Sam Chokov. I went and met him, and eventually he was my business manager. But that was meeting Ted for the first time. And we had the same agent at that time. He was seven years older than I was. His name was Taddeus Konopka. I spoke at his funeral. And... uh he was one of the most talented actors. I saw him on the stage to Inherit the Wind. Oh, you said that and in the I'd book, that the, he did a great hornbeck in Inherit the Wind. I'm telling I'm yeah. telling you. Yeah. And then he also did in The Compulsion. And in in that play, too, he brought right. the head cat. Right. It was fabulous, and there's so much authority. Ted was a wonderful actor. And to think that he would finally be Ted Baxter, because they were thinking about young people to play that. They, they thought about Jack Cassidy, because he had just done He and She, sure. that series. Sure. Wound up playing and Ted's was, brother on the series. An, an ego kind of, kind of model-looking kind of guy. And they had seen, I guess, 200-and-something people. And Ted saw them once. And then they called him in again. So he told me on the way in, he was on Hollywood Boulevard, he looked in the window and he saw a blue blazer. And he stopped the car, he said, I'm gonna get that blue blazer. He bought that blazer, he put that blazer on, he went in, read for the second time. He was the last one cast of the original five people on that show. And that was the beginning of Ted. Playing, playing that that character, but he had done voiceover work for oh, you, yeah. the voice of Superman, and oh, all yeah. those things. And uh, versatile he, he guy. Did, uh, he even did. He even did uh, an, a modeling and and the newspapers. They had a, a thing called night and day. If you had gray hair and you wanted to make it dark, you could make it dark. So he did. <laughs> he had an ad. Half his head was black and half his hair was gray, like in real life. And it was like. But uh, yeah, Taddeus Kanapka, he's buried up there in the, in the hills there. And uh, then his wife Dottie just lasted about a year and a half after him. And she died, spoke at that funeral too. Was, what, did he, yeah, find, did he was, find the typecasting of the character dif- difficult, Gavin? To, to, he had trouble playing ver- a buffoon. I'll tell you what was difficult. I think that could have been the beginning of the cancer. I really, I'll tell you what happened. Because he, he, he would t- tell me things he wouldn't tell anybody else because it wouldn't go anyplace. And he told me, he says, I can't stand it. He says, Ted is so popular. It's the same name as me. I walk into restaurants and say, hey, Ted. And they start pointing. Do you, and they start making fun of him. He was Polish. He was not used to make, make, make He was a very strong man. And it, it started to eat. All the disgrace, it's interesting about people's careers. Sometimes their careers can be like this, but their personal life can really suck, you know, Mm -hmm. and then vice versa. And there are certain things you have to deal with that maybe are too difficult to deal with. And the fact that his character was called Ted, just like him, started to eat it. And then he had those two series after the Mary Tyler Moore show. And we knew he he, he had this... He just told Patty and I this cancer, and we, we suggested these places that we know about where with Laotrill and all this, where they can help you. And 
He got help for a while, but we never told anybody. And then it came back again. A shame. Uh, 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 and that last time I saw him, you know, he gave his life to Christ, which is great comfort for me. A wonderful actor, a wonderful comedian. Oh, oh, a wonderful. Oh. I mean, the timing of everybody on that show. I'm, I'm, I'm. I, I, I look at them now. Watching the episode with you and Barbara Barry, who we already we had here as well. Oh yes, the I love a piano. Where you, where Murray thinks about straying. I love a piano. <laughs> yes, since you're, you're talking about this subject, you know Joyce Bolafont that played my wife. Yeah, we love Joyce too. We we see each other all the time. We're, it looks sounds like we're going to be having a project together. Great, oh. Murray and Marie. Murray and Marie. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Where are they now? And yeah. and I remember we had. Um, Ed Asner and John Amos on. Oh, we had John oh, here yeah. too, yeah. And both of them said every take Ted Knight did was like different than the last one. Well, Ed said you guys used to go go and sit in the bleachers and just watch him watch him work. Just just Well, w- yes, when we weren't in the scenes. Yeah. Oh, well, I used to sit and watch Mary work. Uh-huh. And and Valerie work. And Cloris work. Yeah, and, uh, what a cast. Yeah, I mean, we had some wonderful actors on that show. What a cast. L- looking at uh, too, I was watching the episode yesterday. Mary's three husbands, where you're the, where you have the fantasy that you're married to Mary, and you're a you're a oh, you're a successful God. playwright with jet black hair. <laughs> <laughs> I've never seen that. So wonderful. Never You've never seen, seen it. That. It's on YouTube. No. I'll send you a link. I'm good. Thank you. It's Thank wonderful. You. I would love to see that. It's wonderful. I remember the still of us, uh, the old age makeup. What's it? Wasn't when she was married to Murray? Wasn't she always pregnant, having a yes, baby? Yes, she goes in the bedroom and says, "I'll be right back," and gives birth and comes out with a baby. <laughs> <laughs> and the baby has your hair, has a, a big shock of black hair. <laughs> Oh, what a wonderful show that was. How about Chuckles Bites the Dust? Yes. I was telling Gilbert that Jay Sandrich didn't want to direct that episode because he thought death wasn't funny. Death is not funny. Amazing. And they got Joan Darling, this actress. Yes, they sure. They great opportunities, the females there. And she won an attempt. She won a, what, what do you get? An Emmy, Emmy for it. Wow. Uh, we were out of the big, big function last year out here, people from all over the country. And we're dining with people we never met before. And one guy says to me, he said, you know what this funniest half hour on television? I said, I think I know what you're going to say. He said, it's Chuckles Bites the Dust. I said, oh, yeah. Written yeah. by the great David Lloyd. Great David Lloyd. Right. And, we had some great play, like, great people on Oh, yeah, show. Stan Daniels. And you worked, yep. you worked with Cary Grant. Oh, yes. Oh, Operation Petticoat. I was in my 20s, yeah. It was 1957. And we did uh, Operation Petticoat again, Blake Edwards. That's right. I must have been a great heavy. He cast me in these funny characters. <laughs> I was, I was this. Yeah, I went over to pick up the Steve Canyon script, and the car stops. It's Blake. He said, "I was just talking about you." He said, "I'm going to be at so and so's office." He said, "Come on down. I got a part for you in Cary Grant's new movie." I said, well, wow, I have to, okay. So I did that, and I met the producer and all that. He says, he wants me to play this guy, Uncle. I hadn't even read it yet. And uh, 
People still remember those pig scenes. Oh, I'm sure. I'm telling you, it's oh, Tony sure. and me. Oh, sure. And we, I, I represent Princess Cruises, and I go out frequently, and I have big audiences there, and they want to know the stories. And one day I'm there talking, and we were on our way to Hawaii, and a guy says, any, I said, any questions? He says, he says how's, um, how's Mabel? I said, how's Mabel? I'm thinking, was I married to somebody called Mabel? I said, I don't know. He said, no, no. Operation Petticoat, remember, on your chest. They tattooed this naked girl on my chest. <laughs> so I was afraid to go ago. home to my wife, and I re-enlisted. It was a funny, funny thing. Yeah. And Cary Grant, what happened with Cary Grant was 25 years after we did that picture, the love boat is a big thing. And they're having a big function to raise money for the new art museum downtown that my boss, Doug Kramer, was involved in. They said, hey, we got, we, we got a great way to make some money. When the ship comes in, the princess ship comes in, let's have a big function on that ship. We'll bring out these high rollers, you know, and they'll have an evening on one of the Pacific, on, the, on the, one of the ships, and they'll meet all the Aaron Spelling uh, people. And so that's exactly what we did. We went down, I was with my wife and my daughter, we go down, and... All these people come in and we shake hands with everybody coming in. And after about two hours, we're finished with all that. And we said, we'll go to the dining room. We go to the dining room, we're sitting and it's having a great time. And all of a sudden, main door, in comes Cary Grant, who's like 83 now without white hair. Oh, yeah. Those glasses. And everybody stops. I mean, it's Cary Grant. And Patty says, there's Cary Grant. I said, no kidding. Nobody's <laughs> eating. They're all watching him. She says, watch where he goes. He walks past us. He's going over to sit over there. She says, I said, doesn't he look great? God, I haven't seen him for 30 years. Boy, he still looks great. She says, I want you to introduce me to him. I said, what? <laughs> she says, well, you worked with him. I says, how naive can you be? That was 25 years ago. He doesn't know who I am. And my daughter said, please pop and my wife says i'll never ask you for another thing you know you were in trouble when they used that line so i say oh okay okay let's go so do you ever see these cartoons where like the heart is out coming out oh of the sure, like, yeah, sure i felt like my heart was gonna go like i just hold it in i said god give me the right things to say so here we are. We got, he's talking to his wife. I go over. <laughs> Excuse me, Mr. Grant. He looks at me. He says, Gavin, 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 I'm so proud of you. I tell you, if I didn't have those things on then, I would have gone right in my pants. Oh. <laughs> I, didn't want, I didn't want to get back to that, but that's one of those moments. Oh, nice. I said he, no. I, I, and I introduced him to my wife and my daughter. And I forget what else we said. I met his wife. Wow. It was just, wow. and here he was. He's an older man, 83 years old, younger than I am now. So this is the end of the story. We go in there, and I couldn't sleep. I said, can you imagine? He was so nice. This giant was so nice to you and everything. Remembers you all these years. Two weeks later, 
He was in Davenport, Iowa. He was traveling with certain movies. He would tell stories, you know, Gregory Peck did it too. Yeah. And answer questions and stuff. He had a stroke and died. Yeah. The lesson for me was you better risk. Because if I didn't risk not knowing what he would say, oh, bald, get out of here. Who are you? If I didn't risk, I never, I, for the rest of my life, I would have said, why didn't I do it? I had that moment and I didn't do it. Sometimes we're given moments in life, like this interview. <laughs> yeah. You know? <laughs> Come on. We're, we're thrilled to be put in the same category as Cary Grant. But, you know, your, well, your, your daughter and your wife deserve a lot of credit for egging you on to, 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 to do that. Yes, they did. If go- they didn't do that, I don't think I would have done it. Yeah. What a beautiful no. story. Yeah, but then that was the lesson, and I've and I've and I've, I've I've talked about risk to other actors, all those years after that, because if you don't risk, you're never going to gain. You're not going to. Oh, that's my ear. That's my ear doctor. <laughs> oh, that's right. I got to see him tomorrow. <laughs> Oh, that's so funny. I can't, I can't. My secretary's got to get it. Why don't they pick it up in the other room? Sorry about that's this. Okay. like a running monologue. That's okay, Gavin. We will return to Gilbert Gottfried's amazing colossal podcast after this. Speaking of phone calls, <laughs> we, dude, we, we, got, we, got, we got somebody here for you, Gavin. We're hoping you can hear him. Is he there? It's a it's a Gavin McLeod. Gavin McLeod. I I cannot tell you how much I love you. You are the best actor I ever met. You're the most most incredibly wonderful human being. You're my dear friend, and I love you so much. Especially when you came on the Love Boat, I was no longer the oldest member of the cast. I've got some new Depends for you. These are really going to work. <laughs> Gabby, can I, can I tell the Depends thing? Okay, first... Bernie, I already told them the Depends thing. First, let me yeah. tell the audience, <laughs> Doc from the Love Boat, Bernie Capel. Bernie's here. My favorite doctor. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so anyway, three years ago, uh, the Love Boat cast was, was, uh, was doing the, uh, the Rose Parade. So Gavin comes up in a very secretive way, and he puts his hand into a big bag, and he says, "Burn." I said, what? He says, put this on. I said, what, what is it? He says, it's the male version of Depends. And while you're wa- put it on, while you're waving, you could, use the, you could use the Depends thing. Reluctantly, I put it on, for three hours, I didn't use it because I was so concerned about making a mess. <laughs> Gabby, I love you. Our baby. interview started with this story. <laughs> well, we, really? It's good to get, but it's good to get two versions of it, Bernie. Oh it's, yeah, well, <laughs> it shows you how important it is at our age. <laughs> 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 I love you, Bernie. Oh, God. I, love you, I heard you were in Alaska. I ran into a couple the other night that saw you in Alaska. 
I, I was yes, I was I was in Alaska. <laughs> yeah, lots of uh, crabs, and I've, it took me months to get rid of them. But uh, there you go. <laughs> uh, we yeah, we went. We, we, the, the most exciting part of Alaska was there was like fifty eagles in the trees, and the guys on this on this uh, fishing boat they threw out fish, and the eagles swooped down and got the fish in midair. Some got the fish in the water, so it was. Very, very exciting. Very exciting. <laughs> Sounds like my ex-agent. <laughs> can I tell you? We, you, not everybody knows this. We did three pilots, but on the third one, they said, what are we going to do? They, they almost dropped the idea of having Love Boat. Gavin yeah. McLeod comes on in the third one, and that sells it. That sells it. So wow. I'm so grateful to you, not just for being an alta caca, but also, <laughs> also you think it's for easy? helping to get the show on the air. <laughs> did, 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 did you guys have a history before Love Boat? Had you, had you oh, had, a big, yeah, big well, fan we, of we his. Met on, we met on McHale's Navy. But oh. I mean, we, are, we are both uh, veteran actors. I go back all the way. I became a professional in 1961, if you can believe that. And um, Gavin has been doing this for years and years and years. And we yes. used to sit in the sit in the makeup room, uh, 7:15 in the morning, look at each other, smile, and say, "We got a job." That's right. <laughs> some of the best scenes. It never goes away. Some of the best scenes ever are the scenes with the two of us. The two altacacas talking about life and our situations and so forth. I know. No, that, those were some of the the nicest scenes to play, without holding oh, our yes. hair pieces down. <laughs> oh, that now, was just look, you. What? Oh, what Gavin and I had a scene on the on the deck. You know, I had an undetectable hairpiece until that moment. It was undetectable. <laughs> <laughs> Gavin and I were coming on to, to uh, Connie Stevens. On deck, it now, flew on right deck, off in the right you, on you the bridge. The, you you got the, you got the uh, the wind is blowing and the, the forward yeah. motion is, of the ship is going and uh, and I'm feeling something like a <laughs> on the top of my head. I said, "What the what the?" <laughs> and the director calls, "Cut, cut!" And we have liftoff. Get <laughs> <laughs> it looked like a raven on his head. At that time, I, I understand that you gave your hairpiece a burial at sea. Is that true, Kevin? <laughs> no, I buried it on McHale. I shot it and buried it on McHale's Navy. Oh, I shot yeah, it on a, the ground. <laughs> <laughs> what, a, what an untimely death for that hairpiece. Ga Gavin, were you, were you envious of all the fan mail that, that Bernie was getting from the ladies during the, uh, during the Love Boat run? I know there was quite a lot of it. <laughs> no, I got, I yeah, got I mean, two I letters. Mean, two letters a month is not a lot. <laughs> so my, my, my attitude about, about you know, skirt chasing and all that was, was and I said, look, I'm a seasoned, disciplined professional. I look at the script and he says, it says, Doc chases Louise. And I said, well, I guess I got to do it. It's in the script. And, uh, so I did it. It was exhausting. Exhausting. I'll never forget when Bernie comes to me one day and said, you'll never guess who I'm going to play the opposite next week. I said, who? He said, Juliet Prowse. 
He oh, couldn't God. sleep for four days before they started that show. He and Juliet Prowse. I thought it really was going to manifest into something else. Yeah, wow. I, had had a, I had had a crush on her for years, and she'd gone with Sinatra, so my feeling about her was partial intimidation and partial lust. <laughs> and so we, we got this scene. We got this scene in bed, and there's 50 people. You got the camera people. You got the, the sound people. And I'm just so concerned about this. I, I, I don't know if I'll be able to speak. This is Juliet Prowse I'm in bed with. We're supposed to have an incredible night this morning. And she says... You know, Charles Boyer had a sexy scene like this with a very sexy girl. And I'm saying to myself, why is she telling me a story now? I'm trying to concentrate. So, and he said to the sexy girl, you know, darling, if possibly I get, how you say, aroused during this scene, forgive me, please. If possibly I don't get aroused, forgive me, please. <laughs> <laughs> Juliet Prowse. She was South yeah. African, wasn't she? Juliet Prowse. She was. Uh, yeah, yeah, she was great. Beautiful. She was Jack yeah. married to John Sweet, McCook. Yep. Sweet human before being Bernie. Yeah. Most beautiful legs in the universe. <laughs> yeah, she was great. <laughs> and, the, and the softest, softest lips. If Katrina's listening, I'm only kidding, honey. <laughs> now, when when you were with Juliet Prowse, did you weigh your depends? <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were going to ask me if I wore my toupee. I did wear my toupee, <laughs> and it stayed on, and I was very grateful. Uh, uh, I did. I didn't wear. It depends on it because if anything happened, I said, "Well, that's life." <laughs> <laughs> Bernie, what did you think of Gavin's musical bit? Uh, his his famous musical number with Cab Calloway and uh, and Ethel Merman, and who was it? Carol Channing and Della Reese. Gavin, that was, Ethel a, Merman. that was it. Was, was Ethel incredible. Merman. Ethel Merman. Gavin is basically, and on top of being a phenomenal actor, he is. He has music in his soul. He has. He's a musician, and he had such joy in singing. Uh, I was just sort of. I was awed by uh, by Gavin's singing. Oh, thank you, Bernie. <laughs> and I have now been he, handed he, my baton. <laughs> You find one that you like, Bernie. What were you doing in Alaska? I was on uh, a cruise. Oh, on a cruise. On a cruise. Oh, you're right. Right to Alaska. Right, right, right. Yeah. So you because I, I I think that they're just using uh, uh, the love boat people. I I know. Oddly enough, for years they had sort of kept us at arm's length, and lately they said, "Here, take a take a free cruise." So uh, take a free cruise, meet the people, be nice and schmooze, and it's 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 wonderful. It's wonderful to be uh, on those ships. Make me makes me feel good because it reminds me of those immensely marvelous years that that I had. And I remember uh, doing one of these morning shows, uh, Gavin and and uh, and the rest of the cast, and Teddy and Fred, and the question came up. With all the people you had romances with, I said, they said, who is the best kisser? And right out of my mouth, I said, Gavin! <laughs> <laughs> it was on the Today Show. I got so much mail, you couldn't believe it, Bernie. Really? <laughs> oh, yes. Bernie, Gavin, I don't want to go there. <laughs> Gavin's got his baton out since you said he was musical. Well, he better zip it up again because that's not... <laughs> <laughs> Gary. 
I tell you, uh, if you want to get serious for a moment, I have done a little bit of conducting in my lifetime with Richard Kaufman. I've traveled. I've been with the uh, Dallas Symphony, the Florida Symphony, the um, San Diego Symphony. That was a good one. Wow. Even the Cape Cod Symphony many, many years ago. That was the smallest. And, uh, yeah, I do, I, I do, I, I conduct and I talk. And that's kind of, and I wear the Depends, so I'm safe. <laughs> we should call this the Depends Hour. We might be able to get a sponsorship. <laughs> how, hey, Bernie, yeah, how about the, that? Depends the doctor thing, and the but, captain. <laughs> <laughs> but did, did you wear your hairpiece uh, with those musical instruments? Not there. I wear it on my head. <laughs> <laughs> well, it keeps you warm in the wintertime. <laughs> oh, what a treat to have the two of you guys here together. This is I great. love him. He's wonderful. This is great. Gabby, I've always had a great harmonious time with you, and uh, it's always in my memory, and, and I cherish it. I love you so much. His, his wife had a great idea for... for uh, the doctor and the captain to go to Florida and say an evening with the altacockers <laughs> and we could just sit there and tell stories. It's great. I know. We could we could yeah, go but on. Nothing ever happened. I think oh, we have. You're still, you're still, there's still time to do it. You guys should do it. You should put it together. It's hard to remember see. those stories. <laughs> you, well, we've had you both on this show and you've both done wonderfully in remembering Thank those you stories. So much. What a treat to have Bernie come in like this. Wow, this really made it. Thanks, it was Dara, Dara's idea. We have to thank Dara. Or was it Gilbert's Dara, idea? Thank you, Dara. You're such a beautiful lady. <laughs> Barbara Feldman says you're so gorgeous. <laughs> we had Barbara you... Feldman call in when we had Bernie yes. on this show, Gavin. Oh, yeah. Oh, wow. Oh, yeah. And, w- and wish him a happy birthday. So. She was there in New Jersey. He saw her in New Jersey, yeah. too. Yeah, yeah. Dara, what, the question I have for you, Dara... Is what, what are you doing with that schmendrick? <laughs> oh, I asked him sincerely. He asked sincerely, he says. He's all right. I mean, if, you, if, you're, if you're forgiving and all that, he's, he's okay, I guess. Schmendrick, <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's okay. <laughs> Bernie, we love you. Thanks for chiming in, man. Love you right back. This, Gabby, I love you, baby, and keep kissing, baby. Keep kissing. This was so exciting. that uh, Exciting and new. Yes, exciting. And <laughs> Come Cap- aboard. Captain Stubing and Doc together again. And we have Charles Fox here Wednesday, the composer of the oh, theme. Oh, really? Yes. Oh, so it's, great. it's Love Boat Week. He did on the, the Mary Tyler Moore oh, song, oh, song oh, also, nice. too. Yes, indeed. It's, it's, uh, Charlie it's, Fox. It's Love Boat Week. Here on the God, on the Gottfried podcast. Why not? Oh, that's Why not? great, Bernie. We adore you, and we'll talk to you, pal. Right back at you. It's been a great pleasure, guys. All the best. Okay. Thanks for chiming in, buddy. Okay, you bet. Thank bye. you. Bye bye. Love you. Okay, Bernie. What a kick. Yeah. Well, it's been an hour and a half, and you know, we talk so much about those depends. I'm telling you, I gotta go now. <laughs> <laughs> Gavin, let's plug the book, which you Why wrote in 2013. Oh, I have. Listen, can I tell you about my book? Go ahead. Please do. Oh, sorry. Yes. My book is called This Is Your Captain Speaking. Great read. Uh, you can get it any place. 
And then I wanted to tell you about two more books. My daughter-in-law did a fabulous book. It's going to make a great movie called Blood on the Orchids. It takes place in Hawaii. And she did it before the last eruption. And that eruption came. It sounds sexy, but it didn't work out. The eruption came, and my son and her and the two kids lost everything they had. Oh, so they had to move up to to uh, another area now. But the book is prior. Everything she talks about in this book, the different uh, parks and the, the 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 different things they do to make to live. Uh, no longer exist. What's it so called? It's become a part of his Blood on the Orchids Bl- by Jill Steele. Blood on the Orchids. And then there's another book that I think is everybody should have called The Little Town Band. It's written by a friend of mine in Cape Cod who's, who, who conducts his own band in Hyannis. Uh, and it's fabulous. And uh, uh, it, it's a great story with a happy ending. And uh, it's a feel good kind of a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful book. The Little Town Band. He's going to do another one called The Little Bound Little Bound Little Little Town Christmas. You'll send us that info. You'll give us that info and give it to Dara, and we'll promote it on social media. Okay, Gavin. Oh, we'll, we'll, promote, we'll promote great. all those books to our to our listeners. I've enjoyed this so much. The energy that you guys have, and to be able to see you, does make a big, big difference. You know those are those teeth real? <laughs> 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 Gavin, we love you. Next time you come back, you'll tell you'll tell us the story of when Betty Davis came to dinner from the book. I do an evening on that. <laughs> it's a I'm great story. That, I'm going to do that as a play. <laughs> yeah, when Betty Davis came to dinner, it was a disaster. <laughs> it's a great and, story. Uh, it was all Kay Ballard's fault. Well, she said she ran into her in a party. She said, nobody invites me to dinner anymore. Nobody invites me. Well, I found out why. (laughs) (laughs) It's a very funny story, and all of it's true, too. We'll save it so we can have you back. Okay, that would be fun. Do you want to do the Tony Curtis, Gavin McLeod bit for Gavin before he runs away? Tony? Do you know he's been doing a bit in his act for 40 years? This is, go ahead, he's going to do it for you. Tony Curtis talking to Gavin McLeod. Hello, Gavin. Hello, Tony. How are you? I'm fine. You want to have some coffee? Okay. I think I'll have a donut, too. So you will have two donuts? No, I will have a donut. Uh, You are having a donut, and I shall have the same. So you will eat the same donut that I am eating? <laughs> no, I meant although we are both eating two entirely different donuts, <laughs> the very fact that they are both donuts puts them in the same food group. Are you saying like an apple and an orange are both <laughs> in the fruit? <laughs> no, because the orange is a citrus fruit. <laughs> This is the highlight of my career. Later, I have to tell you something you don't know. You don't know. But when we were doing Operation Petticoat, Tony had his own suite at Universal. And he invited over for me to lunch every once in a while. And one time he was getting measured for his costume for, uh, uh, with Kirk Douglas, uh, the the Greek thing. uh, Oh, Spartacus. Spartacus. Yes. And we had donuts. (laughs) (laughs) 
He was a wonderful guy. I, oh, boy, Tony I, was great. What a moment. I, I never met him. I would have loved to oh, have met Tony Curtis. Uh, you would have loved him. He was wonderful. We had a lot of lot of t- t- the scenes we had, but in real life, too. He's been doing this on stage for 40 years, Gary. Yes. The same one. Yes. <laughs> well, thank you. I never sounded so good. I have to tell you, four stars out of four stars. <laughs> Gavin, we'll have you back. We, 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 thank uh, you. We barely got into it. There's so much. Yeah, well, I'd love to come back. Okay. Let me know. Okay. You want to let and this man so, get to the bathroom? So, bitch. <laughs> This has been Gilbert Gottfried's amazing colossal podcast with my co-host Frank Santo Padre and the great Gavin McLeod. Gavin, thanks so much. That's so nice. Thank you so much. Love. Exciting and new. Come aboard. We're expecting you. Back to Godfrey's amazing colossal podcast is produced by Dara Godfrey and Frank Santa Padre, with audio production by Frank Verderosa. Web and social media is handled by Mike McPadden, Greg Pear, and John Bradley Seals. Special audio contributions by John Beach. Special thanks to John Fotiadis, John Murray, and Paul Rayburn. 